The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Welcome to day seven of our North American LCS team-by-team preview series. We are so excited to talk to you about today's team. This is a team that I have been itching to talk about basically since Stardock signed. Not even going to pretend to hide it this time around. It's in the title, everybody. Um, I can't wait to talk about this Immortals roster. They made so many changes despite doing so well in the regular season in hopes of maybe turning this into some playoff success. And I am joined, as always, to break this team down with uh, by my good friend, Walter Ciedes Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I mean, I would be ecstatic if Dardock joined uh, my team, too. Like, I totally get it. I would have loved Dardock to have joined TSM in the offseason, but, you know, I guess I'll just settle on good old Sven Skaren, so... Yeah, what what a shame. Oh, no. I, my heart's breaking for you, man. I, uh, <laughs> look, I... Man, TSM fans, we never get what we want. Oh man, I could, I could hear people typing already. Uh, we're going to talk about Immortals today. Uh, they went 16-2 in the regular season last split. Uh, their only two losses were to TSM. Uh, they got third place in the playoffs. They lost 2-3 to Cloud9, but finally won a playoff series by beating CLG 3-2. Then got second place in the North American Regionals. Again, it was a loss to Cloud9 that did them in. But they got to the semifinals at IEM Gyeonggi. That's nice. Uh, they had a whole bunch of all-pro players on their team, but none of those players are on the roster anymore. So, of the all-pros that matter, Poe Belter is the one that we can talk about. That was second-team all-pro. Uh, you, obviously, Dardock was a first-team all-pro for Team Liquid. Um, Flame was in... Third-team all-pro for Team Liquid, thank you. Uh, Flame was uh, in Korea playing for Longju. That is the reason why Immortals get to become my new favorite team, because as listeners of the podcast know, I am a huge CJ Antis fan. CJ Antis plays was my first favorite team. I am very sad about what happened to them, but now I can watch Flame and be in denial for an entire split. So this will be wonderful for me. Uh, Also, Cody Sun is now their AD carry. He comes from Dream Team and the North American Challenger scene. Uh, Ollie uh, is a Korean who played for Hong Kong Esports as a support. Uh, They have Robert Yip now as the head coach for Dylan Falco, uh, the outgoing Dylan Falco, and Hermes is now the analyst instead of Jez's Walter what do you make about this offseason? When I first saw this roster, I was ecstatic. 
Mm. I was like super excited. Dardock and Flame, Bash Brothers, like I was getting Mighty Ducks 1 like chills all up in my spine. Pobelter emerged last uh, last summer as you know definitively a top three mid laner and at times uh, number two versus Jensen. They would kind of battle it back and forth in that position. Cody Sun, like Masquerade, I watch a lot of Challenger series. He looked really, really good in the Challenger series. I, I really wanted TSM to go get another player I wanted TSM to go get. Oh, darn, just because of his Biofrost connection. Um, really strong AD carry. Thought he would be exceptional. Then they announced their support two days before IEM Yi, And there were rumors all, all about. We had the, the jersey snafu where they tweeted out pictures of Pickaboo and Gorilla on the back yeah. of the Mortals jerseys that they had to apologize for. Um, you know, a bunch of different names, all, you know, Kassing, a bunch of names just all thrown in the mix of possibly ending up here. And then they land on Ole. Mm. I don't watch much LMS. We've established this on the podcast before. You I don't say, Walter. Yeah. You don't I just, say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know much about him. I was like, okay, well, luckily there's a tournament on in like three days that I get to watch. And granted, I got to take it with a grain of salt. They had like one day of practice together. They were all, you know, different country. Nobody cares about IENs. And then I watched it. And Paul Belter was great. The Bash Brothers were excellent, dude. And then the bot lane. Holy cow. The bot lane looks awful. It looks very, very bad. They do not look like they belong together in the LCS. It was a weird tournament. I think that's safe to say. I, I have concerns as well for the same reason. I am less concerned than you are, mostly because I agreed a long time ago. Uh, IEM doesn't matter. It has never mattered. Uh, I've never seen an IEM result then foretell how the rest of the year was going to go. It's just not usually how that Which works is out. Fair. And fair. we have to remember, like you said, very little practice and a rookie AD carry and a support in a new region. Maybe we hold our horses down? Off of like from one tournament, maybe we we wait and see a little bit more. I, I think that there's been a. I, I don't mean that directly towards you. I think that that's been a general impression that people but, are, are but starting to have. But the problem is, the hype was here. The hype was they're the second best team in North America behind TSM. And then we, as much as it doesn't matter, that's still games that we saw the roster play. And now everyone's hype is like, oh. Yeah, no, you're and you're not wrong. I think you're seeing that as far as every analyst that I'm hearing from, people have kind of changed their opinion on it. But let's before we get into exactly where our opinions have now ended up, what excites you about this team? Because even with the trepidations that you now have to carry with you, there have to be some things that are still exciting even after I am Gyeonggi. Oh, Bash Brothers. That I'm officially dubbing the Flame Dardock duo pairing the Bash Brothers. Straight up. Stealing it. Don't care. Mighty All Ducks, in favor. All in favor. All right. Done. <laughs> yeah, Unanimous. Done. They are the Bash Brothers because that is what this team is really going to be relying on is this pairing. And to be frank, like that's what Dardock and Lorelu kind of did together back in Team Liquid. They really like to pair up. They like to abuse the enemy top laner, get Lorelu a little bit of a lead. And Flame is just in another echelon from Lorelu. He is in another plane. Uh, if Lorelu is a human, Flame is a deity. There you go, Thorin. Like, comment, subscribe down here. All here. Um, you're the Cjantis fan. You know all this, but like watching them play again, 
I am Yangi. I ams don't matter. It was still games that we got to see them play, and on very little practice time, they were really in sync. They really were pairing up. Flame looked great on tanks. He's playing Maokai and stuff. They really were working together, roaming together, coming down to the bot lane with Poe Belter. Poe Belter and Dardoch moving around together. That three-man core looked exceptional, and it's really exciting because Poe Belter had this, this sort of ascension in the summer. Again, like, the Immortals lineup with Huni and Rainover with about Huni and Rainover. It wasn't about Pole Belter. Pole Belter was that, that consistent mid laner. He's always going to do his job. He'll play a few champions. He'll supplement everything else. You'll be fine. And then he took another level. He hit another notch. He turned it up to 11. Yes. As Wild Turtle declined and, and just showed this guy that as the only North American mid laner, he was fantastic. He excelled. He was up there matching and laning against Jensen and, po- and, and Bjergsen and matching up with them and really making those teams have to rely on other ways to win their games. Mm-hmm. And pairing him with this exceptional duo in Dardoch, who I think is, you know, he's one of the best jugglers in North America. He might be the best talent in North America now. The double lift is off streaming. And Flame, who... Flame has not been great since the old school carry days where teleport was not a spell you took in the top lane unless you were cheesing a CLG or Dignitas with some you know crazy support three teleport composition. This was when real top laners took ignite. Real top laners played Akali. Real <laughs> top laners killed the enemy top laner with reckless abandon. And I think there is a chance that Flame has had to live up to that reputation too much. And on every team he's been on, LGD, on Alongju, it's, oh, we expect the flame of old, when that's just not the style. And I think it's finally now hit the moment where no one expects flame of old. No one expects flame to be solo carrying on Kennen or, you know, or the, the Akali or anything like that. Now it's like, all right, flame is an extremely mechanical player. He does have the ability to carry when it is the appropriate meta, but he can also fill this Anki bruiser top laner with excellent teleports, and he likes to roam, and he has this veteran presence that he can bring to the team. Uh, I'm excited. I think both Dardoch and um, Flame have chips on their shoulders from previous experiences. Team Liquid for Dardoch, Longju for Flame, and I think together they are going to be a fearsome duo. Yeah, I think the core is really what you look at and have to get excited about. And as you said, that three-person core has the potential to be quite scary. Uh, you know, as much as I would love to see the Flame of Old, as much as Thorne would love to see the Flame of Old, I think you absolutely hit it on the head that he's at a different point of his career. But I think Flame knows it. I think Flame tends to play within what's been working for him recently. Uh, he's been very consistent. I feel like he was misused in Longju quite often. But when yes. he was put in a position to succeed, I think he succeeded. And there's reason to believe that he... And Dardock and Popelt are these two North American homegrown talents that are just dominating at their positions against most of their competition. That's such a great core. That's everything that you want when you're establishing why your team is going to be this huge threat moving forward. But every yin comes a yang. Every excitement comes nervousness. And there are two guys that you did not talk about in that exciting section. So I think I know where they're ending up, Walter. Listen, I, I know I was excited about Massacre, now known as Cody's son. Um, he was. He was, a, he was a really good rookie talent, and I think a lot of teams were looking at him to be a young, you know, up-and-coming AD carry that they could potentially fill a role with. 
Um, I didn't expect him to come out and be the second coming of, of Double Lift and, you know, Stylion Kids. I don't think anyone expected that. Um, he looked outmatched at I Am Yangi. You can't write that away. He looked outmatched. The other 80 carries really caused him problems, especially when you look at the games against Samsung. Um, really just caused him a lot of, ruler just caused him a ton of problems. He did not look like he knew how to control lane. Um, and it doesn't help that his support didn't look like he know, knew how to control lane. He was really, really falling heavily onto, you know, tankier supports and, and didn't look well on the range, you know, mage kind of supports that are currently in meta. Um, historically, he's been, Ole has been a tank player. He's been an Alistar. He's been a Braum player. His thresh has been pretty solid in the past. Um, but when you pair these together, it just, it doesn't work. They just didn't work together. They didn't control lane together. And again, it, minimal practice time. They'll get used to each other. You know, not every, you know, bot lane in North America is core JJ ruler. I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. Yeah, I was like, going to say, that was the first point I was going to make in response, which is that, yeah, they looked a little foolish against a team that just made it to the world championship off the back of a rookie AD carry having a massive split after struggling initially and then getting right. better with more time and experience. This is literally, like, it's ironic that the player that is now making people dismiss Cody Sun is the same player that should be pointed as an example of why we shouldn't be so quick to judge Cody Sun. Because if you were to judge Ruler based on how he looked in the first couple series he played, you'd be saying, oh, that guy's not an LCK caliber AD carry. And yet here we are having watched them made that epic run. And I, I just, I don't understand why we're so quick to write off a player that we all should have predicted was going to struggle right away. How many 80 carries come from the challenger scene and immediately carry in the LCS? It's just not usually how it's done. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll have a transition like Laud where he takes a couple weeks, figures it out, and then becomes a very solid player that doesn't have too high of highs or too low of lows. But most of the time, like think about Stixa when he first entered versus where he is now. Think about Alltech when he first entered to where F FlyQuest, God help us all, is likely to, is hoping he will be. There's a lot of reason to believe that he and Ali can improve with more experience. But, I, I mean, is there anything outside of IEM Hyungyi? Some things that maybe showed up there that reminded you of flaws that we overlooked from when he was on Dream Team that we can point to? more readily because i'm i don't think that should be enough to make us nervous it's the problem is though is that the rest of the 80 carries in north america are are pretty exceptional there's some pretty solid 80 carries in north america but if i want to go through you know let's play a name game lod was an amazing talent that came out last split there's all tech who's still sitting around um you have a guy like keith who has proven at times that if he's in the right kind of if they play him the right way, he can be, you know, exceptional. This is a guy that they brought on to challenge uh, Wild Turtle that, you know, replaced Piglet at one point. You have Arrow that's coming over from, from overseas. You do have Piglet. You know, there are some guys that are inconsistent in there. Apollo, Wild Turtle, um, where maybe he can match up to him. But he's already starting out at, like, at like eight. And while, 
you don't necessarily need to have the best AD carry in the world, and we're seeing as everyone's complaining right now that there's no agency, if I want to steal a word from Ghostcrawler for AD carries, Mm -hmm. it's still a position, and it was an extremely exploitable position for for anyone who played at I Am Gyeonggi, and on Dream Team, he wasn't exploited like that. He was not totally pressured like that and constantly ganked and playing, you know, 3v2s and 4v2s and all this stuff. So as time goes on, hopefully he'll adapt to it. But the problem is, if you're giving so much up, he they seeded a ton of lane control. It's really hard for them a support to go and roam around like I'm sure they're going to want Ale to do, especially with the, how good Dardock is and what he has done with Matt roaming yes. around with him in the past. It's really hard to just leave your AD carry when he doesn't have control over his lane, where he doesn't feel comfortable, where he doesn't feel safe. And that's really what I'm pulling from IAM Gyeonggi, is he didn't look comfortable at times. And for the majority of the time, he didn't look like he was confident in his play. And sure, they put him on things like Ezreal, and Ezreal is one of his better champions, and that gives him a lot of ability to play within himself and to get out of sticky situations. But again... He's seeding so much lane control that when you just give up a complete lane, that's a ton of pressure that you're giving up on the bottom side of the map. That's a ton of pressure you're giving up on Drake's, where if you get really unlucky and you give up three Infernals or three Mountains in the first 25 minutes of the game, you're sunk. That gives up so much pressure in the later parts of the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm not writing Immortals off in any regard. I'm not writing Cody Sun off in any regard. I still think he can be an exceptional player. But like I said earlier... Our expectations for Immortals were through the roof. We heard Dardock, we heard Flame adding Pobelter, adding this young rookie guy. Like, everyone was going nuts. We thought this team was going to be fantastic. We thought this team was going to have Gorilla or Peekaboo on it. That's just incredible. And now we're stuck with Ole and an AD carry that didn't meet what our expectations were for a rookie. We didn't expect him to be double lift, but we did expect him, you know, to maybe be better than Wild Turtle. And after, you know... A tournament that I guess doesn't matter. I can't definitively say he's an upgrade over Wild Turtle. That's really where it comes down to. Yeah, I'll say this. I I think it's too early to judge Cody Sun, but I think you make a really good point about how there's a wealth of strong bot lanes that he's going to have to go up against week in and week out, mm-hmm. and he's going to be learning on the job. Because you're right. He was not attacked that way at Dream Team, and I think that is... A, a thing that pl- people, and I'll say myself in this, I forget about that because I look at the raw numbers. It's like, why wouldn't you attack Cody Sun? He's clearly the best player on this team. And the answer was, well, the other players on this team were weaker. And the way that challenger teams were playing at that time is let's attack the weakest players and limit how much Cody Sun or, you know, the strong player on whatever team we're going up against can actually do. And the difference is that now Cody Sun is the weak link. Now he's the one that's going to have a whole bunch of junglers trying to gank his lane, if for no other reason than that they're going to try to keep Dardock away from helping Flame and Pobelter. And since so much is dependent on this core, this trio in the top, mid, and jungle, getting along and building up these synergies, every moment they have to spend babysitting Cody's son and Ale, or making sure that, you know, they have the resources that they need, or getting them safely across if they want to, you know, uh, ward or anything else, that's a concern for me. That's all time that's lost that could be doing other things, like getting Flame and Pobelter ahead, which is really what this team is built to do. And I think they can figure it out. I like Ollie as a player. I watched him on Hong Kong Esports. I think he's a good support. I think that Cody Sun can be a very good AD carry in this league. I'm not I'm not in any way done with him yet. 
But I think that rookies take time, and especially a guy like him, it looked like the spotlight didn't well uh, rest well on his head. I think mm-hmm. that's the way I would describe his tournament performance. It did not feel like the extra attention was making him thrive so much as it was making him make misplays and challenging him in a way that he might not be ready for yet. And if he's not ready, that could really hurt them early on in the split. And this is yeah. not an Immortals team that we've seen do really well. Uh, after, you know, have to come back from these kinds of challenges. Exactly. Um, what determines the season to you, Walter? What, what's the, what, at the end of the day, all of this, you know, we've given all these things. What, what is the, the big catalyst that determines the season? So the defining factor is going to be this sort of chip on the shoulder of, of Flame and Dardock, I think. I do agree. I think Cody Sun will come into his own. Um, I think the first week or two will probably be a little iffy for Immortals and we'll have articles about like, oh, where did Immortals go wrong and yada, yada, yada. And I'm sure week two we'll be doing guest the lines and it'll be, it'll be against someone like Envious and Envious will be at like minus 200 or plus 200. And I'll go, I don't know, Chase. I'm not liking how Immortals is looking. Apollo is pretty consistent. Hakua was shown that he can be aggressive in lane and just they're, they're willing to just die constantly. And Lyra looks pretty good and they might be able to neutralize that top lane jungle combination. I'm going to say envious and then they're going to crush us in week three. We're going to lose money on it and then we're going to come back in week four and be like, so Immortals are actually a good team. That and we all overreacted. Right. And I'm sorry to everyone who lost unicorns on gambling on envious we should have known they're a bad team um but i don't know which one of us you were impersonating there that's the best part of this some random voice again i just do (laughs) random voices i don't impersonate anyone on purpose i i just uh, random voice i'm gonna do something um but it's gonna come down to the chips that are on dardock and flame shoulder and managing them i think they can look within themselves and go listen you know Last image of me is me sitting the pine behind expression on Longju. Or the last image of me is me yelling at my owner and, you know, being this bratty kid that no one, you know, no one likes because I'm yelling at Piglet and I got into a fight with Lokodoko and everyone loves Lokodoko and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the problem is that sometimes with those types of chips, you get arrogant, you get too cocky, you get too confident. And if they go on a kind of a tear at some point, Dardock needs to remember there are some times where people figure you out. There are some times where you play champions you aren't necessarily good at. There were moments where he was playing Gragas uh, during the summer that Gragas, while he it sort of fits what his play style is, isn't really a champion he's great at. He's not fantastic at it, and it costs them at points when they really tried to force the Gragas um, against like Rek'Sai matchups. Uh, Flame, he can overextend. He does have a history of getting too cocky when he's up a couple of kills. So it's really finding the the, the nice, gooey, warm center inside those molten chocolate brownies. Yeah. Like, you, sometimes you cook them a little too long and they're hard as a rock. And you're like, well, I, I want to eat my brownies, but like, I can't chew them. And other times they're like soup because you, you forgot you're like in Denver and you didn't use the high altitude deck, you know, directions or something like that. Like, you want to just find that nice, perfect, gooey point mm-hmm. where they sort of melt in your mouth, but they're sort of a little gummy and just, oh, it's perfect chocolate. They need to find that point. If they can find that point, Dardock and Flame, I believe, are good enough to carry some of the deficiencies that I think the spot lane are going to have um, throughout like early to mid-season. And then it's really fine-tuning. And once those guys in the bot lane hit where they're at, it's just getting into your stride, realizing you're probably not going to go 18-0. and 0. 
you're probably not the best team, but if you can make it to the playoffs and you know who you are and you know how to exert who you are into other teams, this is definitely a team that can make some noise. Absolutely. And one more quick thing I want to point out before we make our final predictions. Uh, this is going to be their third different head coach in three splits. I just, I'm pointing that out. You know, whether that? that's, history teacher was technically a head coach for this team. Not for very long, but he is listed as a head coach uh, in, in their historical database. Um, either way, they are moving on from Dylan Falco, who was a significant portion of how their strategy was built last split, even if you're not going to count the very brief history teacher period. Um, they've moved on from Jez's, obviously, now is at Fanatic, so they lost an assistant coach there. Uh, they're going to be figuring things out on the coaching side of things, too. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Loyota has been a very good analyst for them. Hermes was a, a good strategic coach in previous stops, so it's not that I think the coaching staff is going to be bad in any way. I just think it's yet another part of this team that's going to have to adjust early and figure it out for that playoff run that you're talking about. It's just another piece to the puzzle that, you know, again, I don't think enough people, you know, bring up how essential Dylan Falco was to the system that was created there. It's important to, to recognize these things. But, Walter, at the end of the day, where do you, uh, where do you put this team? So I had to change my prediction because I, I cannot ignore that I am Gyeonggi happened. I cannot completely dismiss it as a worthless tournament. I have to take into account that those are the first time we saw this team in action. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like other analysts, I've definitely cooled on this team. I still think towards the end of the split that they'll be back up where I, I sort of expected them. Um, but right now, I'm going to say they make it into the playoffs, but I think it might be a little bit of a dogfight between them and Team Liquid. I think Liquid might have a better early season um, while the bot lanes are, are sort of finding themselves. And if they can hopefully avoid playing against Liquid in the first couple of weeks until Odie Sun and Ole really do get their, their legs under them, then that'll really, really help them later on. But I think they're probably going to get in on, on a five or a six seed. And then in the playoffs, that's really when we need to watch out for them. Yeah, I have them as a, as a five seed in the regular season, making it to the semis uh, right now. That's that's my my sure. written up version. I still have to you know make a couple tweaks. We still have three more episodes to record after this that you should definitely keep uh, stay tuned for for the rest of this. Absolutely. Week. But I am higher on this team than most, and it mostly comes down to I have remembered every episode of this podcast that we've done post IEM. We do this every year. Week three, we're like, oh, man, it's like IEM really didn't matter again every time. So I'm just going to skip the part where I pretend like IEM matters and I pretend like him playing against two Korean bot laners that he's never going to play against that had way more time to practice and way more synergy behind them is maybe not the best way to judge Cody Sun in LA. <laughs> and I'm going to say that we should probably look at him as a still a young talent that is unrefined to put high upside Ollie is a guy that has a lot of experience and still has the ability to uh, to mesh well. We, we have to see for certain. Um, and I love the core of this team. So I, I am higher on this team. I am much more confident they're going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of how long that learning period, you know, getting used to the new system, uh, new coach, new bot lane, new basically everything is going to take. But that's why they play the games in the season, ladies and gentlemen. I if well, you Walter doesn't like this team because Ollie played in the LMS. That's all it is. <laughs> Walter hates LMS. That's all I heard for the record. When I what? when I talk about this later, it's going to be all about Walter hates Taiwan, and that's why he doesn't like Immortals. But <laughs> me, you know, type away. Let us know uh, what you guys think about Immortals. This is obviously a very divisive team. 
Uh, Walter and I come down differently on this team, so I'd be very curious to see where you guys step in on it. Uh, you can let us know. Comment sections here. Uh, also on social media, the podcast is at Rough Drafts Pod. I am at Redshirt King on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Awesome. And of course, if you do enjoy this show, please consider contributing to our Patreon. Uh, it means a lot to us and it'd be very cool of you. Uh, and until tomorrow, when we come back and we talk about a, uh, a team that maybe is not soaring nearly as high as their name would like to suggest, though I wouldn't say their name suggests much greatness either. So until then... It's a then, terrible name. It's awful. Goodbye, <laughs> Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.